All right, everybody, welcome to the March 2nd edition of the Alligator Sports Podcast. My name is Jackson Castellano. Uh, been a couple weeks, um, you know, like I think probably two episodes since I've been on or two weeks. I don't know if it's actually been two episodes, but yeah, I've been a little busy with exams and things like that. But, you know, as always, I'm joined by Joe. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Good to have you back. Carson and I held it down last week, but yeah, definitely missed you. No, good episode. Definitely important to touch on Gators baseball and no better way to do that than by talking to our baseball beat writer at the Alligator, Carson Cashin. But today we've got another guest on. Uh, we're going to be talking to Caleb Wygant. He's one of our women's basketball beat writers at the Alligator. Um, you know, and really a lot's been going on in Gator sports this week. But the biggest headline probably is that Kelly Ray Finley has been given the permanent title of head coach of the Florida women's basketball team. Uh, Caleb, how are you doing? And just as like an intro, I guess, uh, just give me your general sense of the hire becoming permanent. Yeah, thanks guys for having me on. I'm doing well. Hope you all are doing the same. Um, the general feeling around women's basketball on campus right now, uh, I would say overall is, is very positive. Um, there's been a huge outpouring of good re- reactions from players Good reactions from other people in the athletic association, uh, good reactions from fans. Uh, they all love Kelly. And that's what was really been apparent uh, kind of all season in the way that they've gelled and had really a, a really great surprise of a season coming from, you know, the last four years of the Cameron Neubauer era. Um, it's just a really good thing that I think is happening in the women's basketball program. And it's evident by the play on the court that they're behind Kelly. They support Kelly. Um, and that kind of just culminated in Monday's announcement of her as the permanent head coach. Yeah, it definitely feels kind of storybook, like with, you know, just with the way that the, the new Bauer like tenure ended, you know, under some controversy with, you know, a lot of like misconduct allegations. And then even in the beginning of Finley's tenure, there was rumblings that, you know, she might have been complacent, you know, complicit in these kind of and what we know and what was going on, you know, I, I think that's kind of subsided at this point. But you can just tell, like, the team has really, uh, like, bought in to what she's trying to create. And obviously, this team is really talented. Uh, we've seen that all season. But a bad culture can take a good team and make it a disaster. And this team easily could have turned out to be a disaster this season, I think, if, you know, the wrong coach came in as the interim or if Finley had handled it the wrong way, but I, I think she nailed it. Obviously she's done enough to earn the starting job, but you know, you've been watching the team pretty closely for pretty much all of her tenure. I believe you put an article out uh, not too long ago about how the SEC coaches were giving her her flowers, starting to talk about her hire becoming permanent. What do you think specifically like Finley has shown or done to earn the permanent title? Well, I just think that, you know, even they've had, even in such a good season, a few up and down stretches, uh, last three games and the re- round out the regular season, especially uh, dropping three in a row to LSU, Vandy, and um, Missouri on senior day on Sunday. Even through that, what I've seen the most from Finley, uh, just in press conference on the bench, just how our team reacts to her is just so positive. And I think body language tells a lot about a team and how much they buy into their coaching staff. Um, more than a lot of the other opponents that come in the O-Dome that I've watched, I, you know, Florida never really, you know, they always feel connected to what Finley's saying, what her staff's saying, 
body language is very good. You know, that's all the marks of a good team that's gelling well, connecting well, uh, has good relationships between players, between coaches. Um, so I think that what is apparent to me that Finley has brought uh, as a culture plus this year has been how she acts. And it's the same way she treats us when we ask her questions in the press conference. Um, never gets too down, never gets too high. Um, she's been really even keel about it. I think that, you know, it hasn't really been as much of a, a roller coaster as a few past women's basketball seasons have been. Uh, they've been mostly in the wins column. Uh, but in the SEC, it's like anybody can beat anybody on a given night. And um, I think Kelly and her team are really ready for that. Uh, that's what she always preaches. Um, I think that that's a big thing for Kelly and the team. Yeah, this women's basketball team has put up a fight against a lot of the top competition in the Southeastern Conference. They went on, it was a very like long stretch of wins. I think it was either seven or eight, and the one loss they had was against South Carolina, which that's a tough challenge in itself to knock off that team. Um, Don Staley just named SEC Women's Basketball Head Coach of the Year again. Some people thought that Finley could have been in the running for that award. Going into the SEC tournament here, after the end of the season, as you touched on, losing three of the last four, what are your expectations going into the first round? Do you think this team comes out with energy that you've seen from them in the past this season? And, yeah, just what are you expecting? Yeah, so from what I've seen in their SEC losses, especially um, Vanderbilt was a key example of just limiting uh, turnovers. That's really a, been a big thing. Like even in their wins, Florida has games where they're 15, 16 plus turnovers. Uh, and if teams capitalize off those, and that's been something that's really hurt Florida, that's a style that Florida likes to play themselves. They do that to their opponents, turn them over, get out in the fast break and transition and capitalize on those miscues. Um, but when Florida starts to do that themselves, that's when you know, they're giving these teams, no matter where they are, the SEC pecking order, this, a chance to get back in the game. So I think that a big thing will be 12 or less turnovers going to the SEC tournament and just postseason in general. Because in games like that, that's when they really dominated these teams, even really big ranked powerhouses. I know they turned Tennessee over, you know, so many times where it was ended up being a blowout because of the fast break point. Um, discrepancy and that's just really been a big thing for Florida all season no matter who they're playing um, I think that'll be good if they can continue that kind of trend going into March yeah so outside of um, like Finley and like really more on the court like specifically to the players like what is going to be the most key factor in the team finding postseason success yeah, I think it's just going to be, you know, rely on their bread and butter. And that's their backcourt. Kiki uh, Smith, Zippy Broughton taking the lead on the scoring, uh, shivering the ball as well. Uh, but I think games where especially their three and four scorers like Nina Ricards and Jordan Merritt, when they get involved and they get double figures as well, uh, Florida is a really hard team to beat. Um, so I think the, the few games they've lost this past week and a half really um, – Smith's kind of struggled a little bit shooting from the floor. Uh, she does a lot of our stuff around the rim. Uh, so it's just a matter of, you know, finishing when they get there, um, but also rebounding. I think that they've given up a lot of second chance points in these games that they lose. Uh, obviously playing, 
you know, essentially a four guard lineup. They're giving up a lot of size, especially when you get into the top half of the SEC. Um, so just boxing out and limiting your opponent's second chances will be really big for them because as a small team, that's not what you want to do. That it can beat you on any night. And especially when it's one and done going forward, that's going to be really hard to overcome if you don't do it well. So those are two big keys, but um, you know, Finley's kind of harped on that. That's what they're working on. They know what they're, they need to work on. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like you said, it's been a tough stretch to close out the season. You know, no team wants to lose out their last three games, but they've also looked really strong in other performances. They've looked at like one of the best teams in the country, honestly, you know, some nights, like you said, again, in that Tennessee game, you know, they're one of the top ranked teams and it was a blowout. So they definitely can have big wins. They definitely can have tough losses, but as it does, like you said, get to one and done and become crunch time, just in your honest opinion, like what is your expectation for this team in postseason? You know, I would say their expectation is only limited by, you know, how well can their seniors lead them on the court in mean, between Smith, Broughton, uh, the Oliveria coming off the bench. Um, it's what are they going to do and what are the little plays that they're going to make that keep this kind of, other than them, younger team kind of gelled together and focused. Because uh, as far as, you know, postseason experience, that's not something that Florida women's basketball has really been known for anybody that's on the roster right now. Um, so kind of creating that when you don't have it can be difficult. Um, but what they've showed me in SEC play is that they're willing to rise to any occasion. And I think that, that can be really realistic in going that's sweet 16 deeper than that, maybe if they keep it up and play their game and do what they've done to just run the table through the SEC um, and beat these really good teams. Yeah, one thing I've noticed throughout the season, kind of just keeping tabs on the team um, through editing articles and stuff like that, catching a couple games here and there, the team can kind of shift how like their playing style in terms of they've won some shootout games and they've won some select fast games as well. So they're very adaptable in that way. And you talk about the team liking to get out on the fast break and forcing a lot of turnovers with their flexibility of which game that they play and adapting to the other team, which game do you think this team is more comfortable and would want to play if they could dictate the game? I think that's a really good point, Joe, about, you know, it's this common trope of teams that do well in the NCAA tournament. They could win games in the 50s. They could win games in the 80s. Kind of this big spread of, you know, you're adaptable with any kind of style. I yeah. think if Finley had a choice, her team would run as much as they could, get up and down the floor, because they're quicker than pretty much at one through five in any position. They're quicker than the majority of opponents that they're going to take on. Um, all the way from their guards, even even their forward and center. Like Faith Dude uh, starts every game, doesn't really play a, a whole lot, isn't a big scorer, but she can run the floor out in transition and absolutely is there as an option where a lot of SEC centers and forwards are kind of lumbering down the court, you know, not as quick on their feet. I think that if they had to choose, they would definitely play fast. But like you said, they're very adaptable. They can play any kind of style. They can move the ball around well enough to where They'll get good looks and open shots. So, I mean, it kind of just depends on who they're matched up with. I mean, every game's going to be, you know, you scout who you're going to play, and then you 
figured out after that. I think that Florida is going to be really having that at their advantage. You touched a little bit on the like inexperience of the team, uh, especially in like postseason play. Uh, <clears throat> one thing I think is just interesting to note. I'm looking through uh, Kelly Ray Finley's resume right here. Uh, she started her coaching career in 2008. She was a grad assistant at Harvard. She's had a lot of like smaller assistant coach positions. She's been mostly a recruiting coordinator. She was at Harvard, Colorado, Arizona. Um, she didn't actually reach an associate head coach position until uh, her time at Florida under Cam Newbauer. And, the, you know, obviously this head coaching spot is like the highest position she's held in her career. Like this is this is her first time, you know, being the head coach of a, a postseason tournament team. What in what ways like do you think it, is her inexperience going to affect the team like come tournament time? Because that's. I think a big thing to note here is that although this team like looks really good and can win big games against tough teams, the tournament is very different and they have minimal experience in, in that situation. Yeah, I think it's going to be a matter of, you know, they played a few games in the SEC that have been nail biters. They haven't blown out, you know, everybody, obviously. Um, I think late game situations uh, just – they can revert to a team where they turn the ball over a lot in crunch time. They, you know, don't really take the best looks when they're trying to, when they're behind or they need to foul. Um, so I think just as long as she's maintaining a culture of they're going to play the way they've always played in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, that's going to be really big. And, you know, tournament time, it's so volatile, anything can happen. So I think that sometimes they kind of lose their identity in the crunch time when it gets, stuff um i think that as long as she tells them to like stay themselves you know when it gets hard or when it's a big game coming down whether it's sec tournament or potential ncaa tournament games um i think as long as they retain who they are in crunch time that'll be really big for them yeah i think one of the last things i have talking about women's hoops is if you have an update on Bracketology, um, getting into March now, actually in the month of March, SEC tournament still has to happen. Who knows how far Florida is going to make a run in that tournament? Losing the last three, where does that put Florida at in terms of seeding for the NCAA tournament? Being a top five team in the SEC, one of the best conferences in the nation, they're definitely a lock to get into that field. But where are they at right now in terms of seeding? Yeah, I come from what the bracketology I've looked at over the past few weeks, even through the losing skid, they've been pretty solid at a six seed right about now. Um, even after LSU and Manabout losses, they've kind of stayed there. Um, so I think their resume was pretty much made uh, in the stretch where they beat Tennessee, LSU the first time, Georgia. That's where they definitely solidified themselves uh, as a lock for the SEC and kind of moved up into a single-digit seed. Um, now, I think as far as the SEC tournament goes, uh, obviously losing those last three kind of put them in the, the next phase of seeding. So they didn't get that top four double vibe because of those last three losses. Um, but then should they win their um, game on Friday, that puts them in a good position to beat one of the powerhouses like um, a potential matchup with South Carolina would be in that quarter semifinal. Um, so I think that there's definitely room to bump up even a little bit kind of late in the game 
because uh, you still got to play those big ranked teams. And the good thing about the SEC is that there's so many of them that any win you have is really going to be good for your resume as long as it's in that top half. I think there's definitely still room for growth as we you know kind of start out this week with conference tournament. Yeah, I think bracketology is probably a, a good transition to start talking about men's hoops because Florida has basically for the past like three or four weeks has been um, fighting on the bubble to get to get into the tournament. Unlike the women's basketball team, their their seating, their their placement in the field is is not a lock at all. Um, I spoke with Joe Cook Shugart earlier this season for an article. He's um, one of the more accredited and um, like accurate bracketologists right now in, in this morning, uh, in this morning's um, release that he just put out, Florida is in his first four out. And then Joey Brackets, Joe Lenardi put out his bracketology um, like just minutes before this podcast got rolling, actually. And Florida is in his next four out. So they're obviously in a really tough spot. Um, it's starting to look like this loss to Texas A&M may come back to bite them, but they really are doing everything they can right now to hold on to a, a spot in the tournament. They they obviously got the win at Vanderbilt last night on a insane sequence by Flanders Fleming Jr. It was it was really wild to see, wild to watch. They're fighting it the best they can, but you know they've got Kentucky this Saturday and then the tournament coming up, and that's that's really their. That's really their last couple chances to make an impact on the committee and on their their net rankings. Uh, Joe, I'll pass it back to you for a second. Where do you feel that the team is at right now in terms of the tournament? Yeah, I was saying it last night going into that Vandy game, which they were able to clutch out um, kind of the opposite of what happened down the stretch against Arkansas. Arkansas is a better opponent um, in the top 25. That game that they had against Arkansas at home, very back and forth throughout most of the second half. Florida had a lead for a little while down the stretch. And then in like the final four minutes, Arkansas just their physicality and their size inside just became too much for Florida. And they began to pull away there at the end and took that game, a game that would have been a, a quad one huge win for Florida, very big resume boost there. And could yeah, have really put them, in a row. yeah, two ranked turns in a row would have put them on a nice trajectory going towards the SEC tournament. Now that Vandy game is a must win, which it would have been regardless. They pull that out. And I was saying going into the game last night, I think Florida to get in needs to win four games in a row. They had to beat Vandy last night, which they did. I think they need to upset Kentucky, and I think they need to win two games in that SEC tournament. And that's a really tall order for this team. But yeah, just from for- night in and night out, their play fluctuates so heavily depending on if you have a player like Flanders Fleming who showed up last night and was hot. He was hot against Georgia, and that was a big performance for him. Guys like that that have kind of been what you would call role players in this offense that has been so heavy to Colin Castleton and so heavy to Tyra Appleby. If guys like that can continue to step up and Fleming might not be able to do it for a third straight, straight game. Can Myron Jones come out and have 15 or 16 points against Kentucky and hit some threes 
And because that's what you need to propel yourself over a team like Kentucky, because you saw it last time they played. Castleton's not going to be able to go and put up a double double, a double double against Oscar Sheway. It's not happening. Big O's just too good. No, you yeah. have to find ways to adapt against this Kentucky team. And that's why Kentucky at the end of the season is so daunting because they lose that game. It seems like their path into the tournament is somehow winning the SEC title. Yeah. I mean, I think you've pretty much summed it up the best I can. Like, they have to win. They have to beat Kentucky on Saturday and they have to do well in the tournament. And that is an almost, it's an almost an insurmountable task. Like you said, they have Big O. That's the national player of the year right there. They were a top 10 team in the country and Florida took their worst loss of the season to Kentucky just a couple of weeks ago. Obviously they were in Rupp. That's a much different environment to play Kentucky in, but this is still an incredibly talented team that is going to go far in the tournament that has definitely a chance to win the conference tournament title. Um, and yeah, Florida has to upset them at home. It's going to take uh, an entire team effort, really. Uh, Myron Jones has looked good in, in stretches, but he needs to have a complete game against Kentucky. Uh, I think he scored like five consecutive points against Vandy, which they brought the lead down to two. So he's been able to make an impact late game. But like you said, everyone's play fluctuates. It feels like the team is not ever playing good at the same time. Like a couple guys will go on tears. Obviously, Fleming has been on an insane stretch these past two games. Um, While Castleton, since returning from injury, his production's kind of shortened up. Tyree Appleby is pretty much hit or miss until the fourth quarter comes and then he's hit. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But. But, you know, Florida's had to put together a lot of scrappy, um, you know, a lot of upsets, a lot, a lot of tough wins to even be in a position where they're on the bubble. And they still have not quite made it over the hump. So they have a long way to go. Um, and it's going to be difficult for them for, them for sure. Uh, there's really no other way to say it. Just Kentucky is so good. Um, really the only advantage that Florida has going for them is that that the loss can't be worse than it was last time and they're playing at home. So it gives them a, a, a slight advantage there. Otherwise they've done almost everything they can for their resume. I mean, Vandy's a Q1 win They're as long as yeah. nothing moves, they're 75th in the net. And if you're top 75 in the net and you're playing at home, you're a Q1 team. So that adds something to Florida's resume, but they just need more. Like it's, it's hard to even, quantify what they need because it's just a little more because when you when you have games where like you get destroyed by tech maybe it's just texas but when you have games that you get destroyed by texas southern or lose in kind of a deflating fashion late against texas a&m the committee doubts you the numbers doubt you bracketology just doesn't have faith that you can make an impact in the tournament and then you aren't placed in the field so Florida has to hold their own at the very least against Kentucky. And I, I agree with you with the tournament. They have to win at least two games, if not like, it, you know, I, I spoke to, you know, Joe from 131 Sports. I mentioned this earlier, but another thing that he said is that conference tournament play doesn't have as much impact as people think in comparison to regular season play. Yeah. To really, to really change the committee's mind after they watch you in your conference you have to either 
win a couple games beating really good teams, which it's the SEC. Every team's a good team. Even Georgia, I stand by this. They're good. Um, you have to beat good teams or you have to make it all the way to the conference final or win your conference tournament if you're in like a weaker conference. Um, that's not easy for Florida to do. It's not like they're a top five SEC team. They're closer to bottom five than they are top five. Like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough stretch for sure. Um, but Mike White and his team just has to put something together. Yeah, um, to get Caleb involved here, he's been kind of just sitting there for a little bit. Um, how much do you pay attention to this team while covering the women's team? What have you seen from them if you do watch that? might be kind of a similarity to the women's team to where this men's team, they do get into situations to where they have to kind of get out and run with teams and get into some higher scoring games, even though I think it's the opposite of what you said Finley would rather do. Finley would rather go and run. Everybody knows Mike White is defense. Let's lock it down. Let's out-rebound and let's win a game that's first one to 50. What I've seen as a fan, that's just not, you know, what this team is built to do. I mean, obviously different from, you know, the women's side of it. I've caught a few games, um, but in their half court offense, I mean, I think that shot selection is so everything, just in ball movement, especially. I think that's two things that, you know, men's basketball struggles with a whole lot and just, you know, it gets late in the shot clock and somebody tries to go one on one. You know, it's a lot of, stagnation uh which has kind of been evident for a lot of mike white teams uh no matter you know the makeups of this team is a lot different than past years uh even when you know it was trey man scotty lewis it was the same kind of you know offensive thing where somebody's got to go one-on-one you maybe get a pick and roll every once in a while and that's how you try to get your buckets you know i think that if they were to try to do a last minute change of their philosophy getting out and running might be you know, to their advantage, and they try to win a few games in the 70s and 80s as they try to, you know, claw their way into the tournament field. Yeah, I was talking to what you were talking about. You mentioned Trey Mann. It reminded me I had a conversation two days ago with a friend. We were talking about the team. And the past teams, you said they would, like, run through Trey Mann, and he would have isolation, and he would make something happen one-on-one. When you have a player like Trey Mann who went 16th, 15th overall, I can't remember exactly, in the NBA draft, he's been pretty incredible for the Oklahoma City Thunder through his rookie season so far. He's been really good. That works. Trey Mann's not on this current team. There's not. Tyree Appleby can make stuff happen and honestly is kind of incredible in how he gets these falling away acrobatic three-point shots to go in sometimes, but he's not as consistent of making something happen off the ball, driving to the basket, maybe stepping back in a mid-range that Trey Mann did time in and time out and would go get you over 20 points a game when when your team needed it. He did it throughout the tournament. Yeah, I think both of you make a really good point. The shot selection has definitely been questionable throughout the season for the team. Uh, you can you can even see it 
in the Vandy game, a game they won. Uh, they almost didn't. Like, they got, you know, they almost, you know, they started out shooting really well, and then Vandy went on a run. And as the game got more competitive, it seemed like Florida's shot selection got worse and worse. Um, I can't remember particularly at what point, but late in the game, Tyree Appleby was kind of baiting for a foul call on a three-point shot, and he took a wild attempt. And even the commentators on TV, like, made note of it you know like joe said even though he can make those amazing step back shots that kind of blow my mind sometimes he's not trey man he's not some unbelievable isolation player that you can always go to for a bucket you know he's not he's not some of the guards that do exist like that in the sec he's not jd davison he's not javon quinterly he's not Kenny Chandler like there are guys that can go and get a bucket whenever and Tyree Appleby is sometimes that guy but that's not who he is as a player there's there's no isolation specialist really on Florida they just have to they have to let their role players step up and be the guy and you know make it happen basically make it work on every single night um and it's not a matter of like how that happens really for Florida's success, but like who's going to do it? Who's going to step up? Especially with the Ruji being out these past, you know, two games. Uh, Mike White didn't really tell us anything after the game about what his status would be for Saturday. It's really up in the air right now, I suppose. Um, someone's going to have to fill in, whether it's, you know, Niles Lane or Kawasi Reeves or like Flanders Fleming has been these past couple games. Someone is going to have to provide support because in the half court like you can't just run a two-man game with your best point guard and your best big like teams in the sec are too good at defense and too smart to just let that happen we've seen that a lot recently especially in colin castleson's return um you know defenses are bringing more help they're pressuring him earlier with the ball trying to make him make a decision um make a pass make you know hopefully in, in their case make a bad pass um and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Like last night on the last position, that was their plan. You know, they ran a play for Colin Castleton. Um, Castleton got the ball. The defense swarmed him, and he made the right pass out to Deruji, who made the shot. But that's not always going to happen. Either Castleton, you know, like Castleton needs to know that whoever he's passing the ball to is going to make that shot. Because there are times where even when the Gators get good looks, like they're just not, the shots just aren't falling. So somebody has to step up. Somebody has to get hot for this team to have success. And it's going to be a really tight stretch to make the the March Madness tournament at this point. Yeah, I really think the offense, especially with the Ruji out, there is a significant lack of size when he's not on the floor. Um, Niles Lane fills in well at that other forward position. But... He brings a good amount of intensity, but not as much as experience and maybe like correct technique and understanding of what they're trying to do on the defensive end, especially. And I think the last possession of, well, yeah, the last possession, the last scoring play really for Florida, that three-pointer from Fleming, it shows that the offense really can run through Castleton and not in a way where you're just dumping it down to him on the post. But I think Castleton, White's talked about it a lot, how much he's matured as a player and his offensive capability beyond just scoring just in the post. And 
I think that does come down to his passing. He's, I've seen him make cross-court passes to wide-open three-point shooters all the time, and the quickness of his mental process of getting that ball right back out to Fleming for a, for a very open shot. And like you said, he has to trust the guys that they're going to make the threes. Fleming and Myron Jones and McKissick, even Appleby, who can make threes kind of sporadically, but he does. Those guys, especially the three transfers that I named, they came in with three-point capabilities being one of their strongest attributes. That's what they were advertised at, especially Myron Jones. That was his thing, was that he was going to come in. And again, this is what I was talking about with a friend the other day. We were talking about this team compared to last year's team. Noah Locke was that guy that when he was in the corner, especially if the ball gets whipped out to him, especially from Castleton or one of the bigs down low, he's going to knock down that look. That's why I'm saying, especially with the Rougie out, can Myron Jones step up and get into double figures closer to 20-point scoring range? And can he do that by making four or five threes on seven or eight attempts? Can he be a 50% three-point shooter? And can he get enough looks to where he's taking them confidently? And I think he has progressed that way through the end of the season. He was decent from the three-point line last night. He was good against Georgia as well. Can that keep going? Because especially with if Daruji's out, Chitobo's still out, Oscar Sheway is going to do so much damage against Castleton on Saturday that it takes it out that the work that Castleton has to put in on the defensive end and on the defensive glass, especially because Sheway just eats up offensive rebounds. It was one of the biggest problems in the Florida versus Kentucky game earlier this season was Kentucky dominated Florida on the offensive glass and in second chance points. Yeah, it's like a difficult quandary for Florida in terms of rebounding because I feel like, again, in the Vandy game, I mean, Vandy hit a season-high 15 threes against Florida last night. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest problem is Florida crashes hard on the boards for rebounds, but they're not particularly good at actually coming down with the rebounds. And Mm -hmm. then perimeter shooters are open, and you're allowing for knockdown shots. And that's like Kentucky's formula. That's their bread and butter is – Try to get a good shot, get a good look. If you miss, who cares? Big O's down low to get the rebound, and you have knockdown shooters on the perimeter. Florida's going to have to figure out how to answer to that, how to either – it's funny to even say this out loud, but either how to keep Big O from rebounding like he has been all season or figure out how they can properly defend the knockdown shooters on the perimeter and then how they can take that formula and respond with it on their own end. Because Florida – the men's basketball team, you know, like you know, Caleb was talking about earlier, the women's basketball team can adapt to any pace. They can really do whatever they want. Florida has a difficult, like the men's basketball team has a different difficult time with that. They can they can adapt, but they have their limits. When a team gets too fast, they look like they're being outrun. When a team took looks too slow or plays really slow, looks slower than Florida can handle, they look lost a little bit frantic they get you know caught up on in the half court a lot um 
Yeah, I don't know. The men's basketball team has to figure something out with how they're going to adapt to Kentucky and adapt in the tournament because they just have so much. From here on out, it's only talented teams that Florida's going to be playing. There's not going to be a really a bad team anymore that Florida will have to play, especially with their seeding in the conference tournament and the possible SC or March Madness. Um, it's just going to be a hard stretch from here on out, and Florida really has to figure out like who they want to be in this stretch. Yeah, I agree. It is an identity thing, and we continue to talk about it, the fluctuating play of this team being one of the biggest narratives. It's why I think that if they somehow string together these games and get into the tournament, there's a chance they go win one or two games in the NCAA tournament. I could realistically see it happen. The team gets hot from three. Castleton puts up a double-double. They're kind of a hard team to beat depending on who they're matching up against and what style of play the other team's going to play and force them to do. If Mike White gets his team energized and they play a lot of full court press, which I think does energize the team and is something that White, especially in a home environment that's going to be pretty crazy on Saturday, I think it's something that White will turn towards more because I think it'll throw Kentucky off and it's, it's tough, though, because White did it sometimes in Rupp, and Kentucky gets out, and they can go from a Florida-made basket to inbounding it, and it seems like they've, they're in transition, how fast they bring it up and spread the floor to get wide-open looks from three. So it's a double-edged sword, but I think White will get into it some because he wants to try to force turnovers, energize the team, energize the crowd. But it's still tough because there's always big O down low and it's going to take a very, very focused performance from Castleton on the defensive end to limit his rebounding, especially, and to make sure you're, he's getting back with him in transition because big O can go run the floor better than most bigs in the entire league. And he's one of the biggest bigs and he does it so well. And he establishes his position. And Castleton's talked about it before in one of after the Florida State game. He said that when he's on defense, he feels like that's his rim. He needs to go claim it because if not, Shiway is going to claim it himself. Yeah, I think Shiway has claimed two rims around the country at this point. But I agree with you. I think Mike White should look to the press against Kentucky. Uh, it worked against Auburn, so I think he'll he'll rely back on that again. Same type of deal. Really talented team, talented bigs, fast in transition, but at home playing press that just gets the crowd into it, and that can have such an impact. I think even though spring break, you know, that's technically the first day of spring break Saturday. I think students will ride out heavy to that game. I think it should be a, a good environment for Florida, and they should be. They should have the potential to make something happen. I'm not going to sit here and say that the upset is coming because there could be another double-digit loss in store for Florida Saturday. It's just, uh, it's just the reality of playing against, you know, one of the best teams with, our, you know, the best player of the year right now. So, really, I think that Florida just has to do what they've been doing, and that's take it one game at a time. Mike White has preached this. We try every media conference to get him to say something <laughs> about what the win or the loss means for their tournament chances. And he doesn't have any of it. He will, 
go as far as saying I'm not focused on the next game. I'm focused on tomorrow's practice. Uh, That's just how he is. And it's a good mentality to have, but it's also a difficult one to have when it's crunch time because, like you said, Joe, I think they can make an impact in the national tournament if they make it. That's a big if because they don't, uh, you know, if, if it wasn't Selection Sunday, if it was Selection Wednesday and that happened this afternoon, Florida does not make the tournament. Yeah, they're not they are one of the first or next four out. They just barely slip away on the bubble. And, you know, just kind of staying even keel and, like, finishing the season, that basically how they've done the entire season isn't going to cut it. Like, they have to make a huge impact in this last game and in the conference tournament, or they're going to miss the tournament, and that's going to put uh, Coach White's job in jeopardy, I believe. Yeah, to kind of wrap up here, I think we're going to – I think I'm going to do it. We're going to go back to our favorite way to end an episode, Jackson. We're going to ruin the season by doing this. You know, it's a risk I'm willing to take because we got to get Caleb back involved. We're going to score predictions. It's everybody's favorite segment on the Alligator Sports Podcast. We're going to look towards Saturday's game against Kentucky. Caleb, what do you think the result of that game is going to be? Do you think Florida has it in them to pull another top 10 at-home upset and really keep their hopes alive? You know, I was, I was thinking about my answer to that uh, kind of early <laughs> on when talking about identity. Um, but I think, you know, as a kid who grew up in Big Blue Nation in Kentucky, the one thing that they've been known for since Cal Perry got there is youth. And that's not something that is characteristic of this Kentucky team with Chibway, uh, Severe Wheeler, and Davion Menz. They're so experienced. So I think that even with the crowd or white throw the press at them, that there's a lot of things that Kentucky can do differently that is not very characteristically UK. So I'm going to go ahead and say, UK 74, UF 62. All right. So a little bit of a closer game than Florida's trip to Rupp a couple weeks ago, but still a win for Kentucky. I'm going to follow up with that. And I think it's going to be very similar to how the Arkansas and the Vandy game played out to where it is going to be very close, and it's going to come down to probably the last three, four minutes. And it really is a toss-up. Florida, and when they play Kentucky at home, they always play them tough. It's just how it is. That last game of the season, they put it in on a Tuesday afternoon, nationally televised on CBS. It's going to have a lot of eyes on it for sure because Kentucky is still trying to move up. There's a possibility, depending on what they do in the tournament, they could jump up with maybe some help ahead of them into a one C type situation in the NCAA tournament, depending on if all if Auburn continues to falter down the road and Kentucky goes and wins the SEC tournament. I just don't think this Florida team has it. They were so on the ropes last night against Vandy and really until he missed a free throw at the end of the game, had no answer for Vandy's best player in Scottie Pippen Jr. He was getting pretty much everything he wanted. He scored like 20 points in the second half, I think. And 
I'm just expecting that, that even if they shut down Shibwe, which I don't think they'll be able to do as much as I respect Colin Castleton and think he's a great player and is the best player on this Florida team, he is nowhere near that caliber in my mind. I think Shibwe has a very dominant performance. I don't know if it's going to be the same as last time they met where he has over 20 rebounds, but I think he's going to have a lock up a double-double, have probably somewhere around 15, 16 rebounds, and that's going to be probably about five or six too many. And I'm going Kentucky 72, Florida 66. All right, well, I was going to say that I expected Kentucky to win, but since both of y'all said that, I'm going to have a little fun with it. Um, <laughs> obviously, Big O is going to get his. Uh, that's just a fact. But Florida, with the exception of the Mandy game, where Trey Thomas, I think, finished with something like 17 points, uh, Florida has done a decent job of letting whoever team's star uh, is playing get theirs and then like the kind of robin of the team or whoever's like the main role player of the team they can shut off completely this is how they beat auburn jabari smith went ham against florida but (laughs) walker kessler had a you know who's probably going to be the defensive player of the year had a very minimal minimal impact both offensively and defensively not a a single block not a single block so that was a big reason that florida won and then on the final possession they, uh, his name is escaping me, but oh, Wendell Green. They locked up Wendell yeah. Green. He wasn't able to get a pass off to Jabari, and they pulled out the win. So I think that is what Florida focus is going to be with the with the press. Although Big O might be in the paint while everybody else on Florida's defense is up by their own basket. You know, he's waving his arms. He's wide open. I think they're going to be pressing up on the other players so they feel suffocated and they can't even make the accurate pass the big O. So I think it's gonna be a total team effort for the for the Gators to pull out a win, but I'm gonna go 78-76 Florida. All right, a little bit of a high scoring game there. We all got it in the in the 70s and 60s. I think that's definitely the type of game that this is gonna end up being, especially in the second half. I can see the offenses both kind of heating up, starting to take off, and it's gonna be kind of off to the races, I think. That was kind of similar to the last time that the teams played. The first half was kind of sloppy. Florida was very uncharacteristic, well, kind of characteristically sloppy in the first like 10 minutes of that game. And they had to claw their way back. They had a like really nice scoring run in the first half to get it close at halftime and then really fell off in the second half. Florida's going to need to continue positive momentum throughout all 40 minutes, really, to keep it close and try to make some magic happen there at the end. They were able to do it against Auburn. They'll have to repeat it. I think that is all we have for today's episode. Thank you again, Caleb, for coming on. I'm sure as we get the women's basketball team, we're going to keep talking about them for probably the next like three weeks. They're locked and loaded into the tournament, into the NCAA tournament. SEC tournaments happening this weekend. Exciting time for them have their new head coach locked in, five-year contract for Finley. So that'll be a storyline for years to come. But this tournament run should be exciting for them. First time they've been in the tournament since 2016. So very cool moments for them. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate the opportunity.